Welcome to The Conscious Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Alex Raymond. This is the only podcast that is 100% dedicated to the well-being of entrepreneurs. Now, I know that being an entrepreneur is a long journey and it can be really tough. So on this show, we won't be sharing generic hero stories or talking about mythical unicorns. Instead, we'll get straight to the heart of what matters most, giving you tools and resources to grow, thrive, and succeed as an entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with incredible founders, CEOs, coaches, and authors to help you be more resilient and inspired as you build the business of your dreams. Are you an entrepreneur contemplating the pivotal transition of stepping back and hiring a new CEO for your company? Joining me today is a highly successful entrepreneur who did just that, also a dear friend of mine, Chris Schwalbach. In this episode, Chris shares his insightful journey from being at the helm of his business to making the bold decision to hire a new CEO, navigating the challenges and opportunities this change presented. His story offers valuable lessons for entrepreneurs facing similar crossroads, blending personal growth with professional evolution. Tune into this episode to discover how you can successfully manage this major shift in your entrepreneurial journey. Thanks for listening to the Conscious Entrepreneur Podcast. Well, let's really jump straight in. And uh, you've had such a significant entrepreneurial journey. So AVL Growth Partners is well known for su supporting startups, for supporting companies across their journeys as they are uh, getting bigger and you guys provide support to them. Um, I'm really curious to hear about that uh, business, about how that worked, about what you've been doing since you founded it in 2009. Is that right? So this has been yep. a very significant journey for you. Tell us about the business, but also tell us about what this has meant for you. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, uh, you know, I, I want to start by saying, you know, sometimes these starts of companies seem like fantastic ideas and, uh, really innovative thinkers. And I'm not one of those, you know, I think that uh, I started this a lot more out of necessity, but, um, you know, I always knew that I had something entrepreneurial like in me, like I really loved that part of the vibe. I worked for, when I first got to Colorado, I worked for a public company and it was super slow. And, um, I just didn't like the pace. It was just not for me. And so when I was at that company, I actually um, found an opportunity to make more money for the company. So I went to another divisional vice president and said, hey, I can make you money uh, on this part of your business. And he he gave me like a comp plan in addition to my salary. And then at night, I actually had bought another manufacturing company and ran it with a guy. So I actually had three jobs while working with my corporate job, my semi-corporate job, and then my entrepreneurial venture um, at night, on nights and weekends with another partner. And you know, from there, I just did two or three other startups, um, really loved the tech space. And then, uh, you know, it was kind of a, I, I got involved just when uh, the 2008, 2009 crash happened. And one of the tech startups I went, I was at just, um, I had a, just a disagreement with the CEO and it's a, it's a large part of the journey. Um, and that's why I begin here because the CEO was someone that said, um, part of the issue that we had is, is, he was in, we were in a, in a board meeting and he um, was 
making fun of, I'll just say it that way, making fun of and being super negative to our investors who I had brought into the company. And I was just super taken offense. And he said something like, don't you know that the only way to succeed in business is to be mean and to be an asshole? And, And I'm like, holy crap. Like I have been studying business for 12 years, you know, in schooling and graduate degree. And if this is what I signed up for, what did I do? You know, and I, and it really affected me in a sense of, can I truly be successful if that's not how I want to show up? And so we parted ways. Um, a really good friend of mine, Ken Fugate introduced me to the concept of fractional CFO, which was happening in Silicon Valley, but really wasn't happening in Colorado at any, um, massive, um, you know, scale at that point, there was like one or two companies doing it at that point, which is now like 50 probably in Colorado today. And, you know, he just said, Hey, this is a burgeoning model. This is why it works in these venture startups. And I'm like, I just loved the venture startups. It was, you know, that's really where I love to play. I love the innovation. I love the speed and the pace. And so I, I kind of hung out a shingle and a lot of my, and thanks for the compliments of like my network is like my network came to me and I had three kids under five. I had no income. And, uh, you know, I, and my friends just said, here's a deal. Here's a deal. Here's a deal. Let me make this introduction. And I had, I was able to replace my income in like 10 weeks. And it was, it was a phenomenal, um, uh, journey in that part. And it was scared. And I was, my wife just kept putting the unemployment papers on my desk to say, you need to fill these out soon. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make this happen. And uh, I had some really initial clients. So I think the humble beginnings were humble. Um, and well, you know, ten, I started 10, working- weeks, 10 weeks to significant enough revenue to be paying yourself and to be uh, yeah. kind of standing up as an entrepreneur is, is really good. I mean, most it people was- don't make it that fast. It was, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Three, there was three main clients that just fell in my lap. Um, and, and I, I don't, I mean, again, it was the universe speaking maybe a little bit, but it's like, it was, I was very fortunate. And, uh, in those clients are just, you know, several of those clients are still friends today. And one of them, one of those first clients had an amazing exit and the founder's a multimillionaire. And it's just really fun to like, kind of have that as part of the background of the whole story. But, um, you know, a couple of years in the journey, it was, it was a funny thing that happened. And there's another Boulder name to throw out, but Justin Siegel, I think who, uh, had a startup. It was a tech stars company and he ended up um, being like the chief strategy officer of Uplight. But Justin said to me, well, why don't you have more CFOs? Like be the CFO of the CFOs. Um, and I'm like, well, I'm the CFO. And he's like, why not have more? And I have someone that really wants to do what you're doing, but they don't want to run the company. They just want to be Mm. a great CFO. And I'm like, huh, I guess I could talk about that. And then, then I had two CFOs and I had three CFOs and then I had four CFOs and I'm like, Oh, okay, this is fun. Like now I can actually, I was doing a little bit more selling and and just kind of like filling other people's plates and I really enjoyed it. So, um, you know, the, the journey goes on and on. Um, you know, we got to two years ago and, um, I was in the mode of saying, I, I, I just noticed that we just kept hitting a ceiling. We, we, we couldn't break through this, this level of operation. And it was, we get to a, 
number of employees or we'd get to a number of clients and it would just like hit the ceiling and we'd fall back down. We'd get to this growth and then we'd hit the ceiling, we'd drop back down and, and just couldn't bust through and I couldn't, couldn't figure it out. And part of it is like, you know, I was, I was spread thin probably, but it was this moment where I'm like, I, I really, I, I, through EO, I started learning a lot more about this whole EOS uh, methodology and just learning about the visionary and the integrator. And I was like, God, I, I really would love an operations person to, you know, really drive more of what um, I was looking at. And so I, I started to explore that. And that was like the, um, the beginning of the journey to hire Bethany, who's now the CEO of ABL. And, you know, I wouldn't say that, I would truly say that when I, when Bethany and I started talking, the vision was for her to take over as CEO, um, you know, over time. And so she came in as COO for two years, got to learn the company, really ran it as a president. And um, a two-year period, Bethany and I architected a, like a stepping away. So I was in weekly meetings for a year, then Bethany's like, time for you to leave the weekly meeting. And then I left the weekly meeting. Then I left the monthly meeting. And then so I was slowly peeled away. And then we announced her as CEO at the start of 2023. Um, and so that's been a big part of the recent transition. And, uh, and, and I think there's a lot to talk about there because, um, you know, why, you know, I talked about the ceiling, you know, in terms of what we were facing and you know bethany really showed a lot to me or like we we were running a very founder-led business we were re leading a very um not sophisticated process business right it was kind of like sh shooting from the hip and she was you know really good at putting better systems in place so that was just a emotional time to say um you know you've had a long tenure maybe there's new innovation new blood um, new energy and passion to put around this. What, what did you learn about yourself and, and how did you finally come to the decision that the right path forward was for you to transition out of the CEO? We had a very small team. We had two other people internally that were, you know, so essentially I had 50 people reporting to me in the company. There was no structure in that sense. Um, we had a head of people, we had a head of finance and we had myself. And that was a, a time where it's just like, Hey, you can't, like, again, you're going to have to build a, a, a different team to really make this get through the ceiling. And I'm like, and I just said, I don't know what that team looks like. I don't know the systems we need. Um, and, and it's, it, it made me think like, I need somebody that knows what the next stage needs to look like. And, and I, and I was really in a sense, honest with myself to say, dude, you're really good at the startup phase. You're really good at, you know, zero to whatever million. But are you the right person to take it to that next level? Because you haven't spent a lot of time there. And and so there's a few things that lined up along those lines. I'm like, I don't know what the next level of systems is. I don't know what the, you know, how to discipline the process. So, you know, and that was a little just being... Um, it almost like putting the shareholder hat on and saying, if I were a shareholder, are you the right CEO for the next five years? And I'm like, maybe probably not. Probably that's not. That's a that's a crazy question to be asking when you're the 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 leader and the owner of the company. As a shareholder, is this 
Is this who I would hire to be the CEO? Is this what you're asking of yourself? Of myself. And, and I think that I bring a ton of value, but it's like where the company, but it may not be in where the company needed to go next. It started this period of, are you really looking at yourself, right? And so uh, one of my foreign mates gave me the, this book called The Five-Minute Journal, and it was just a gratitude journal. And I think that kicked off for me a whole period of like, um, you know, both journaling and meditation to say how do, what has been, you know, what's the intention I'm setting? And what happened in my day that I'm grateful for. And, and that kicked off a whole piece for me of like, um, are, are you aware of what's happening in your life? And are you um, seeing the things that are happening? Which then kicked off a whole thing for me around awareness. And that was, you know, when I started working on awareness, um, that was really uh, in, in, you know, amongst other things, but that was really for me, the, the key thing. And the, the story I share is, you know, there's both at home story and there's, a, there's work stories like this, but at home, I remember this day where I had a kid come into my room and he laid on the bed and, and he wanted to talk. And I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. Like, and then like two days later, I'm like, wait a minute. Like it came back to me and like, he's like, that kid just wanted to talk. And I brushed it off because I was doing something that I thought was important. And I missed this opportunity. And, and, the, and then I, um, and then I remember another time, this same kid came into the room, laid down on the bed and I shoot him away again. And then like, he left the room and I'm like, wait a minute, come back. Like, and I, and I, the awareness came closer to present and now, and then he came back and we talked and I, and so that awareness, and now I have a kid coming to my bed last this, this week. And I'm like, they're in the room, I'm dropping everything and I'm present. And so I think this awareness is just the work that I've done to saying what's actually happening right now and how, how can you pick your head up and, and see what's going on around you. And that's just been this, the constant work that I do. And I'm still like, I mean, I'm still a toddler in terms of awareness, I would say, but, um, what a great story. I mean, that's so interesting to hear, uh, the practical application or what, awareness really means because it's one of these words you hear a lot like you know we we at conscious entrepreneur we talk about consciousness and so on and awareness is is one of these mindfulness and it's really easy to get caught in the idea that these are just concepts out there right so these are things that exist outside and i may never actually in, you know interact with them and to yeah. hear you say that you developed awareness so that you could essentially interrupt a pattern that was happening when you're interacting with one of your kids so that you can be more present and you can be a better dad and you can build a deeper connection. I mean, that's really meaningful. And that's, you know, the examples that you gave are, are you know, you in a certain role, right, as, as father. And here's how I'm interacting yeah. with, my, with my kids. Uh, and of course, once you build that level of awareness, you're able to see things. And, and the way I always think about it is respond instead of react to things that are happening around you. So be a little bit more thoughtful, be a little bit more deliberate 
as opposed to just snapping when whatever's happening or, you know, always living up here, always living in our heads versus living in our bodies or living in our hearts. Yeah, I think so for the way I talk about it is just like is bringing the things that you you um, you didn't see, maybe that you recognize them two weeks later. You know, let's say you have a business colleague that is becoming increasingly, increasingly agitated. And like two weeks later, it comes to a, it comes to a boil, right? Well, there's two weeks. And, and so awareness to me is like bring that recognition closer and closer to the present. And so when you talk about the work that you've done to develop awareness and to develop intuition, uh, what does that actually mean? Like what, what do you, what do you actually do to build awareness and to build intuition and to get out of your head? Like what were the things that you were literally doing physically, mentally, you know, as you're building this, this skill, these are all skills, right? So, so, so what, what, what went into that practice? So I think I'm going to just, I'll talk about two. And I think I started on it before, which is this journaling. Like I think the med, you know, the, the gratitude journaling and meditation is probably, you know, one aspect. Like I will journal, um, you know, and I focus on writing emotion. I focus on how am I feeling and I'm focusing on gratitude. And like when you're focusing on gratitude, you're saying, well, what happened today? And then you, and when you're writing around what happened today and you're writing around the emotion and the gratitude, all of a sudden you, you're like, pick up on, this is like, oh, wait, what, why did that happen? Like now, so then you replay the thing in your, in your mind and you're like, holy crap, I totally missed that. Like during the day, but as you're journaling, you're picking it up. And as you're journaling and picking it up, it it's a training you to pick it up in the real moment. And so that's where I think journaling has been super helpful for me because I find all the things I didn't notice during the day, but I notice them when I'm writing about them because I'm spending, I'm replaying, I'm like replaying the golf holes in my mind at the end of the day or in the morning um, when I'm journaling. So I think that's been a, that's been a, a really huge um, tool for me. And I think the second one was a coach that I had and it's, um, I'm not really good science. This is my, um, my green mountain, uh, skiing on a green, uh, kind of tool, but, it, uh, this coach kind of helped me ask this question. Is it possible? And, you know, when someone's going through, someone's late, right? Someone's in show up for a meeting. And that's the easiest one. Or your kid didn't come home on time. And your first reaction is, goddamn kid. Or this person's blowing me off or I'm being ghosted. And you have this, sometimes your initial reaction is this negative, right? And this is it possible goes into, is it possible that they're dealing with something? Is it possible they got tied up? Is it possible that they, you know, and when you bring all these, is it possibles? Yeah. It allows you to kind of neutralize the situation really easily. Journaling is great. I love the five minute journal. I love also Oak journal. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those are, those are great tools. I like Keith, the, and Keith is a EO Colorado guy. So shout out to Keith for the Oak Journal for sure. Yeah. I love Oak Journal. Uh, the, is it possible question is, is cool, uh, as a way of, uh, it's essentially a, a, a mental challenge to say, can I, 
can I imagine a world in which uh, I'm I'm not being blown off here? Something else is happening, and that also helps me to to reframe or rethink how I'm responding to something. It's uh, a lot. It it helps a lot in limiting beliefs too. And so, ah, it, tell it, me more. A, tell it, me more. So so the way I learned about this is just like you know um, I was I was taught something by my dad. And that is a rule that I live by because my dad said it was true. And is it possible that he told me that in a certain time frame of my life where he wanted it to be true, but didn't need it to be true as an adult? Is it possible that he told me that because he was trying to protect himself, not necessarily protect me? Is it possible that he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about? You know, yes, it's possible. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, that maybe that he told me that. And it has no relevance today. And it makes that limiting be- belief kind of just disappear. And the way that this coach taught me about it is kind of like the Easter Bunny. And it's like, you think the Easter Bunny is completely real until someone starts to say, is it possible that, you know, and you start to look at the evidence and all of a sudden you forget about the Easter Bunny that was, and now you can't think the Easter Bunny is real anymore because, um, and it's just gone. And that belief of the Easter bunny is gone overnight. And so I think you can shed yourself of a lot of things that you're, that you believe are true. And the awareness around these patterns is basically, you see it when you journal um, as well to say, what, why do I, you know, this is a belief. I, uh, this is my operating model and it allows you to test your operating model a little bit is like, why do I do it this way? Is it possible that this is just a pattern, you know, that I'm kind of repeating. So can we get a little bit more yeah. personal here? Uh, I would like to hear what are the limiting beliefs that you uncovered in this process? What were the things that changed for you? Um, yeah, so I think there's a there's a the first one was a big one, and so my dad was a physician and he worked with patients and a lot of his patients were dying. And so as it, and so I'm giving you almost too much right in up front, but he said to me, you know, it's not, it's not appropriate to ask personal questions of people. Don't go personal. And it's, it's in, it's impolite. It's not appropriate. And the, is it possible was, is it possible he told you that, because he was trying to protect himself from his job in a sense of like all his patients were dying. He didn't want a close relationship because he would get hurt so much more as a, as a physician. Um, is it possible because he was trying to be a clinician, you know, and, and be neutral and, and he had to keep that arm's length distance? Is it possible that that was how, what he was taught? Um, and so when I started and then, then the questions were like, how do you feel Chris, when people ask you personal questions, I'm like, I love it. Like, I love getting in the deep end like that right away. And they're like, is it possible that other people like being asked personal questions like you do? I'm like, well, yeah, it is possible. And then unlock this whole thing where now I just go straight to the jugular and I start asking personal questions. Like I would <laughs> seriously did not ask anybody personal questions. And I was hoping I would hang around long enough until they would ask me a personal question to open the door. 
And that is fundamentally different for me. And now the way I can connect with people is so different than it was five years ago. It's opened up a new area for me, which is around in another coach that I work with, which is now going around choice and living in choice to say, this is something you can do or you can choose not to do it. Right. And I think that was a big one for me. And that gets into, for me, like shadow work and just like, you know, um, and, and let's call it like being a jerk boss, right. Or being a tough, um, autocratic boss. And sometimes you need to be, and sometimes you need to be a benevolent boss, a benevolent ruler. But if you're always a benevolent ruler, there's, there's maybe some things that don't get done that need to get done. Right. And Mm -hmm. so to live Mm -hmm. in choice to say, this is how I want to, I need to run the company like this right now. And I need to, you know, and, and choosing to work either side of that spectrum and not having one be good and one be bad. Or not having your model be good or bad, but knowing that you can be one or the other, right? So being selfish in a day is different from being a selfish person, right? Today mm-hmm. I choose me and today I'm going to be selfish for me. That's my choice today. And tomorrow I won't, maybe I won't be, or I'll take a different choice. And I think that's the other thing that opened up for me when I started looking at, is it possible? And so that unlocked another um, series of things for me emotionally too. Well, one of the habits that a lot of entrepreneurs have, and I, and I know this for myself and also have having worked and mentored and just seen so many entrepreneurs out there doing their thing is, uh, entrepreneurs are such creative givers and typically, uh, are so energized by what they're doing. They work really hard. They're at risk of burnout. They're also very giving, right. With their time and energy and attention. And so you can really wind up forgetting to do things like self-care. And so some of what you're talking about, be it identifying your limiting beliefs and working on those or understanding that we live in a world of choice or sometimes being selfish, like you were just saying, are actually methods by which we can take care of ourselves so that we can show up even better. We can be even stronger. We can be even more effective later on. And if we're, if we're simply running with, uh, the, the programs, the unconscious programs that we've inherited from society or from our parents or our families or wherever, then we're probably not really breaking through and able to be as effective as, uh, as we want to be. Chris, as, as we kind of wrap up here, there's a few yeah. questions I'd love to get your perspective on. And sure. the first one is we've talked, we've talked about your journey as a CEO and as an entrepreneur. And I'm curious to hear if you have a definition of what is a conscious entrepreneur? What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think for me, like, I think we were talking about that earlier. It's like, I am so focused on awareness. And I think that is such a key to unlocking so many doors. And so to me, the conscious entrepreneur is the one that's focused on bringing the awareness to the present and knowing what's happening around them. And, um, and I don't mean that from a, uh, you know, the the squirrel perspective. Like they see a squirrel, and all of a sudden it's like they're they're distracted. I think it's it's, um, and so that that is conscious entrepreneur to me, and and leading an organization with that with that practice. Awesome. 
And you mentioned, of course, the the power of, you mentioned two things that really struck me. One was the power of having a coach. And the second is the power of the journaling that you do. What else is part of your personal practice? Yeah. So, um, so Marina at Purpose Built is my coach. She's amazing. So shout out to Marina. Um, you know, the, the journaling, as I mentioned, I use a, I use my remarkable <laughs> and that's my journal and I, and I do that religiously. Um, so that's my practice. Um, I, I also do the every day is I just start the day to say, I just plan my day. Like that's the first thing I do. And just like, what, are, what, are, what really needs to happen today? And, and who do I need to serve? And, and what's, what, what are the big things? And so I just, like, I put the rocks in the basket first for the day. Um, and I just do a lot of, a lot of that. I set up a, I set up my own, it's almost like a kind of like a EOS rocks kind of thing, or I guess it's seven habits. But I'm like, what are my rocks for the month? And it's like, what do I really want to accomplish this month? So I do a daily and a monthly and, and really think about that. But, you know, those are the two big ones for me. Meditation and breath work is that, you know, I, I I wouldn't say they're daily practices, but they are something I, I come back to a lot. Um, you know, and, uh, certainly exercise as well, but any specific kind of meditation, you know, there's, um, so there's, I don't have anything specific like, so, but I think I do three different things. Um, I'll do just a more like a morning meditation, just breathing on my own. That's, um, but I did for a long while, what's his name? Uh, Harris. God, what's his name? Sam Harris. I did his Sam Harris. I did Sam Harris's program for like two years and that was phenomenal. Um, I use my sensate that, that I got. Uh, that sensate is Anna amazing. Goodmanson, yeah, yeah. Anna Goodmanson, sh- that product is phenomenal. Um, and I also do a lot of meditation with um, another great company, which is called Brain FM, and that's Dan Clark's company. Brain FM is just, and I use that for meditation, and I use it for work. And I would say, if anyone, that that is a game changer, Brain FM, um, for me. And then. Honestly, like my, another secret one for me is like that. No, I don't know if anyone knows about, but it's like Peloton. If you have a Peloton, they actually have sleep meditations that are killer. So I use those like when I go to bed, they just, they're like, get in bed, get your pajamas on, put your head on a pillow and we're going to meditate for the next 20 minutes. And and that's, that's going to be amazing. Um, I use that all the time. I do, a, I walk my dog every morning. So that is kind of like the, um, you know, my morning sunlight and I do a, like more of a walking meditation. Uh, another, uh, I learned this from another, uh, person, but she, you know, it's just this five, four, three, two, one, where you say, what are five things I see? What are four things I, uh, smell? What are three things that I feel, you know, like the wind or the sun, you know, what are two, and, and you just kind of notice things around you and 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 you do that with breath and then you're getting into your sensory rather than and you're getting out of your head 
And so I do that as part of my walk as well. So I used to cool. listen to the news as a podcast and I kind of like try oh, to avoid yikes. that. <laughs> yikes. Yeah. Now, uh, not the best way to start the day. No, what are, what are some of your other uh, resources? So Brain FM sounds really cool. I know the, uh, yeah. I obviously I know the Sensate uh, uh, device, which is amazing. What are other resources, be it books, videos, courses that have been helpful to you? So the, you know, we haven't talked about it much today, but I think the other one that I love is, um, I think it's almost like, for me, it's always been really close second to the awareness, but it's, um, I call it habits. And so the book, Tiny Habits, which is BJ Fogg or Atomic Habits with James Clear, like how to like stack habits, how to like have these tiny little habits that you can kind of do to, to get a new behavior started. And so like James Clear will say, you know, charge your phone at night, put your phone and have it charge on your Peloton. Because if you have to go buy your Peloton to go get it, the chances of you riding your Peloton and then BJ Fogg will say, ride your Peloton for one minute every day. And he's like, you know, you'll get on it. If you're on it for one minute, you're going to be on it for 15, right? Or 30 or whatever. So he's, it's just these habit tricks. I think those two are just phenomenal to add one or two things uh, to it. Awareness, you know, to me, Brene Brown has always been a really good um, resource, but Actually, Bethany, our CEO, uh, brought, and I don't know why this didn't hit my radar sooner, but she kind of said four agreements. And so the four agreements has been another amazing book for me. And I think that part of that four agreements goes back to that. Is it possible? Because one of the four agreements is don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions and is it possible are very much kindred spirits. Um, so I think the four agreements from awareness after I, with my, with Marina, my coach, the other thing we got into really well and deep is values. And so I, I got into, and it's, it's a dense, dense thing. And I almost, it's hard to recommend, but the, the, the values factor, which is Martini's book. John Martini's book, the values yeah. factor. Yeah. I love that one too. It's a, that's a it's, lot of work. It's a lot of work, but it, but I think, I think it's, here's my thing. I think it's really hard for someone with an ego to figure out what their own values are because you do have a lot of almost like imputed values or should values when you kind of write your values. I think when you really do a, um, a neutral values job, then you uncover some things that, so I think a coach that can sit through and work through your values to say, what's really important to you? you start to uncover a few things and then it uncovers behaviors and patterns and things like that. So I think the values factor was a way for me. And I did that on audiobook because he's got a bunch of work, but the audiobook helped. And I've revisited that a lot. Um, I get, you know, I, I know we're going to wrap up, but it's like, Fantastic. that one's another great one. Um, those are, those are great. And, those are great tools. Thank and here's, you. And here's one, that, here's one more like, but the movie, like the movie, what the bleep do we know? Do you remember that? It's like mm -hmm. old. It's yeah. like an old movie at this point. I'm not sure you can find it, but it's like that was an unbelievably great. That's like kind of quantum-y, but also go like body chemistry. Like that is almost like the um, conjunction junction of awareness and like, um, you know, uh, learning this topic and of being a conscious entrepreneur. So what the bleep do we know? Keep, like 
that's such a classic and i love that one too outstanding well well thanks so much thanks for sharing your story of being a conscious and highly successful entrepreneur it's been amazing to hear about your journey about your learnings along the way about the things that you do to stay focused to stay happy to stay sane to stay married uh, and really appreciate you coming on the show today chris i hope you enjoyed this episode of the conscious entrepreneur if you're ready to go deeper into working on yourself check out the upcoming events articles and resources on our website which is consciousentrepreneur.us I'd also really like to thank the team at Hivecast for producing this episode. If you run a podcast and are looking for an awesome full-service production company, make sure to check out Hivecast.